Okay, so somebody uh, rings you up on the phone and they ask you for directions to St. Bridget's. What's the first thing you're going to say? You're going to say, well, where are you starting from? That's an important question if you want to set them on the right path. And it's an important question for anyone who's looking for Jesus too. If I want to explain to someone why they need Jesus, I need to know where they're coming from. And here's where I think a lot of people are coming from uh, in our culture today. A lot of people would say they believe in God. It's very common. And a lot of people would say that basically, basically everyone is in God's good books. He accepts everyone. And so unless you've done something really bad, you've got nothing to worry about when you die. That's the sort of person who says, look, it's not like I've killed anyone. In other words, I should be fine. And that's about as much thought as God then gets. The flip side of that is that if you do do something very wrong and bad, there's no way back. If God accepts people because they haven't done anything too bad, then if you have done something very bad, that's it. There seems to be no way back. And again, there's really not much more you can do by worrying about God at that point. I've spoken to people who are convinced that their fate is sealed and they are going to hell. And I've spoken to people who are convinced that unless something goes wrong, then there's no reason why they won't end up in heaven. But here's the thing, something has gone wrong. Went wrong a long time ago, and it went wrong for all of us. The fact of the matter is that people aren't basically all in God's good books. We belong in God's bad books. Or to be clearer and blunter, we are condemned sinners deserving God's wrath. It's the same for everyone. No one is good. No one is in the right with God. We are by uh, nature, all of us, unrighteous. Um, If you haven't got it open, have your Bible open at page 1131, Romans chapter 3. Let me just show you um, that that's exactly what the Bible says. Romans chapter 3, page 1131. Our passage starts at verse 21, but I want you to look across the page to chapter 3, verse 10. Chapter 3, verse 10 on page 1130. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one, says God. Quotation from the Old Testament, there is no one righteous, not even one. If this is the truth, but most people think basically they're fine, the results will be spiritually disastrous. I said earlier that last week we looked at what I called a a New Testament gospel gem. And the passage we read in Romans, is chapter 3, beginning at verse 21, is another one of those gems. Passages where the good news about Jesus seems to be summed up very clearly and powerfully. It's the sort of passage that would help us address our culture's confusion, perhaps our own confusion, 
about who God does accept and how he accepts them. It's the sort of passage that can save someone. Let's look at it together now. Um, Paul, who, who wrote this, this letter to the Romans, was a Jew, as you probably know. Uh, and back in his day, uh, here's where a lot of Jewish believers were coming from. Basically, they were the good guys. They were God's people. And one of the things that set them apart from everyone else in the world is that they had God's law. Through Moses, he'd given them his instructions on how to live and how to worship. They knew what was good and what was bad. They considered themselves to be righteous. The rest of the world, by comparison, were sinners living in ignorance. So if you were a Jew, it made sense to think that God basically accepted you, unless you broke his law by doing something really bad. And that's what Paul believed. Until he met Jesus, You see, what Paul discovered when he met Jesus was that Jesus died on the cross to pay for the sins of Jews and non-Jews. Why would Jesus need to die for the Jews if they were already acceptable to God? And we might ask the same. Why would Jesus need to die for the sins of us in here or people out there if we're all basically acceptable to him already? The fact Jesus had to die even for the Jews, even for God's own people, makes it clear that actually we are all sinners deserving God's wrath and condemnation. But also the cross makes it clear that God is loving and merciful and has made a way for sinners to be in the right with him. And it's this good news that Paul writes about in chapter 3. We're going to look first of all at the first half of this passage, verses 21 to 24. Let me reread them. Have a look down with me. But now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified, put in the right with God, freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. There's a lot going on there. Let me unpack it. First, let's think about those words, there is no difference. Paul means there's no difference between the Jews who had God's law and lived by it and the non-Jews who didn't have God's law. No difference when it comes to sin. There's no good guys and bad guys, just bad guys. All have sinned, he says, and fall short of the glory of God. See, God's plan was for us to reign with him and shine with his reflected glory. But we've all fallen short through sin. Even the Jews who had God's law and tried to live it out fell short. The point is, no one can ever be good enough. It's like shooting a bow and arrow at a target that's too far away. 
doesn't matter how hard you try, the arrow will never make it. We all fall short. We've all sinned. And that means we don't all just go to heaven when we die. It's not all all right. In fact, quite the opposite. We stand condemned. But our culture has lost sight of this. People mostly think they're fine. So we need to be as clear as we can be that we're not fine. They're not fine, we're not fine. Uh, that God will call us all to account for our sins. That um, without any kind of intervention from him, we are all in trouble. People need to hear that, because only when we're clear about that will we be ready to hear the good news that despite our sins, God has made an intervention. He has made a way to put us in the right with him. He's made a way to justify us. He's made a way to declare Jews and non-Jews righteous. Not only is there no difference between Jews and non-Jews when it comes to sin, there is no difference when it comes to justification. Anyone, anywhere, no matter how bad the things are that they've done, anyone, can be declared righteous, no longer guilty. Because now being judged righteous by God does not depend on having the law or being good, doesn't depend on what we do or don't do. It depends on what Jesus has done. Justification is his gift to us. And all we have to do is receive it by putting our faith in him. But now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. All have sinned and stand condemned. All can be justified by faith. It's all because of Jesus. That's what we'll see in the second half of the passage, verses 24 to 26. Now, if you were uh, here last week, uh, you'll remember that I said God's ultimate gift to us is himself. There's nothing greater or more perfect or more beautiful or more loving that God could give. He gives us himself. But for him to give us himself, Jesus had to die for us. I once had a, a conversation with a struggling Christian who was on the edge of giving up his faith. I can remember it very clearly. And one of the questions uh, that was troubling him was why God couldn't just forgive everyone? Why did Jesus have to come and die for people? He was struggling with the whole idea that there should be any kind of uh, sacrifice or punishment for sins at all for anyone. Because if God is loving, why can't he just forgive us? Well, part of the answer is God wants to give us himself in all his perfection. 
If we finally entered into the presence of God and found out that he'd bent his own rules and corrupted his holiness and overlooked his justice in order to welcome us in. If we found out he'd just swept sins under the carpet, then he would no longer be giving us his perfect self, would he? He'd be giving us a corrupted version of himself. He would be flawed like the rest of us. He'd have fallen short of glory, just like we have. Of course, God doesn't want to do that. Instead, he wants to give us himself in all his glory to satisfy our deepest longings, flood us with his love, awe us with his beauty, and make us overflow with joy and praise. But God in his perfection can never overlook sins. Which means in order to give us himself, God first had to find a way to put us in the right without ever compromising on his justice. He's got to find a way to put sinners in the right without sweeping their sins under the carpet or pretending they never happened. And that is where the cross comes in. Paul uses three words to describe what Jesus did on the cross. The words redemption, atonement, and demonstration. And we'll take each in turn. First, redemption. You see it in verse 24. It's a word that refers to rescuing someone by payment of a price. The price God paid to rescue us from his own righteous judgment was the death of Jesus for us on the cross. Jesus' death on the cross was the payment that freed us from the death that our sins required. Second word, atonement. You can see it in verse 25. God presented Jesus as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. When Jesus shed his blood on the cross, he made atonement. In the King James Version, it has the word propitiation, which is a better translation. Because the point is that Jesus' death on the cross turned away God's wrath and anger, which is what propitiation means. God was right to direct his wrath at us because our sins are evil. But by his death, Jesus removed the wrath. On our behalf, he served the death sentence our sins required so that there is nothing left for us to pay. In Jesus, God was paying the price for our sin himself to turn away his own wrath from us. And that is why God can declare anyone who trusts in Jesus to be justified, to be in the right with him, because the law no longer requires anything from them. And so we have nothing to fear on the day of judgment. Why did God send Jesus to die for us? As a redemption, as propitiation, and finally as a demonstration. You can see that word in verses 25 and 26. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. The cross is a public demonstration that God is not in the wrong to justify sinners 
And that public demonstration is so important. Take King David as an example. He was counted righteous by God, even though he committed adultery and had the woman's wife murdered. How would that man have felt the first time he saw David in heaven? Well, if God had just overlooked David's sin, that man would not have felt good at all. He'd have realized that God is compromised. God is corrupt and flawed. Basically, God is a letdown because he doesn't care. What that man needs to know is that justice has been satisfied. He needs to know that David's sin was dealt with and the penalty paid. He needs to know that as a victim, the way he was treated has been taken seriously by God. And he will see that when he looks at Jesus' hands and sees the marks where the nails went through. Because God is patient, he overlooked the sins of believers like David. He didn't punish him there and then. But he only overlooked them for a while. Eventually, David's sin was punished at the cross. David was saved, if you like, on credit. God could justify Old Testament believers like David because payment of their sins was pending. It was going to come. And now we are justified on debit. God can declare a believer in Jesus today to be righteous because payment for our sins has already been made at the cross. See, the reason God doesn't just forgive us is because that would be an evil compromise of his justice. Instead, he came in Jesus to pay for our sins so that he is then both just and the one who justifies sinners who have faith in Jesus. The man David killed won't be disappointed with God when he sees David in heaven. All that took was for Jesus to come into our world to be stripped, beaten, and crucified by us, carrying the weight of all our sins and bearing in his body the punishment that we deserved. That's what it took. But he did it because he loves us. He did it because he wanted to give us his perfect self. What these three words about the cross show us is both that we deserve God's wrath because of our sins. Jesus had to die in our place as a redemption. But they also show that he paid for our sins in order to justify us and give us the gift of himself through faith in Jesus. Therefore, we must be very clear that no one is acceptable to God as they are. That's spiritually disastrous. That prevents people from trusting in Jesus and leads straight to hell. Nor must we ever think, or let anyone else think, that what we've done means God could never accept us. Because his decision is not based on what we've done. Instead, we must remind ourselves daily that we are sinners who deserved God's anger, but we are sinners he loved and saved at great cost to himself. Sinners who have received that salvation 
as his gift to us, unearned, undeserved, simply through faith in Jesus Christ. That is the good news of Romans chapter 3. Hallelujah. What a saviour. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are perfect in your justice and perfect in your mercy. Thank you that you sent Jesus down from heaven to pay for our sins so that we sinners might be justified and receive you in all your glory as our greatest treasure. We thank you for your great and good gift. In Jesus' name, amen.